Well, this morning, we're going to continue just a little bit in our Radical ID series. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about the privilege that we have of imitating Jesus Christ. Every one of us that knows Christ has the privilege of imitating Him. Uh, what do they call people who follow Christ? Christians. That term first began in Antioch, one of the, the, the early, where the church had an early strength uh, in the book of Acts, but it was a form of derision. They, the, the, the pagans and the Gentiles would point at, at the people who were following Christ and they would call them little Christs. And that's where the word Christian came from. But a Christian literally is somebody who imitates Christ. Now, those of you that have children, I don't know if you realize this or not, but your children learn by watching you in action. I mean, they really do. There's no such thing as do what I say, not what I do. Have you ever said that? Some of you have. It does not work that way. Children do what they see us doing. Whatever our actions are, whatever our attitudes are, who we are, literally. Kids ingest it through their eyes and through their ears. And they, they kind of roll it around in their mind. And then all of a sudden, guess what? It comes out. Now, I can tell all kinds of stories about some things that my daughter has done and my granddaughter has done. And one of them's a really funny story, but it would offend everybody in here, so I can't tell you what she said. But uh, I didn't say it, okay? She didn't get it from our house, but it was just amazing. Here's a two-year-old, and that word came out of her mouth. She heard that somewhere, and it, 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 it came out. But our kids learn how to be human from us. That's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, it's, it's not something that's, that... that it's strange. That's how they learn to be human. That's how they learn to behave. That's how they learn to, to act. We don't send them to school to learn how to be human beings. We send them to school uh, to, to excel and to increase their knowledge of, of math and, and history and all those things. But they learn to be little human beings from mom and daddy, or at least they're supposed to. Now, some people believe that's why you send them to church. But, folks, that's, that's, not why we, that's not why we come to church, and that's not why we teach our children. We, we enhance what, what we as parents are supposed to be doing at home. Because if all they get is what they get at church, it's like getting one meal a week, and, and it's just not enough. But, but our kids, that's how they learn to be uh, human beings. That's, the, that's how they learn the characteristics a bit of what it is to be a human. Now, Jesus came to show us what God looked like in the flesh. I mean, that's literally... Uh, uh, John says that, and this won't be on the screen, but John said, John's talking in, 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 in the first chapter, and, and I'm just going to read this it, it, because I love this, this passage. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's verse 14. In verse 18, it's, John says, No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten God, Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Literally, He's shown us a living picture of who God is. I also love what, what uh, Philip 
there's a discussion going on on the night Jesus is, is, is about to be arrested. And Jesus is, is going through that beautiful passage there in John chapter 14 where he, where he says, Don't be afraid. If you believe uh, in God, believe in me also. For in my Father's house are many mansions or, or dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come back and I'll get you and receive you to myself. That where I am there, you may be also. Well, you know, the disciples were kind of, they didn't know what was going on. And Philip, he, asked, he, he he makes a great statement. It sounds great on the surface. Uh, now, these guys have been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. And Philip says, it'll be enough if you just show us the Father. And, and you know, it was a stress-filled moment, but I can just imagine Jesus going, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, Jesus came to show us what God looked like. What God looked like. I mean, they had the Old Testament. And to be honest with you, they were far and away better versed in it than we are as believers. They, they had to learn verse after verse after verse as children. And so they knew their Old Testament they knew what God looked like from reading it. And yet God chose to send His Son to show them a living illustration. A living illustration. He wanted them, and He wanted us, by extension, to learn to imitate Him, to mimic Him. And that's what Jesus did. Basically, He taught them they walked together day in, day out. They ate together. They, they slept around the campfires together. They, they did everything together. Why? Because he was teaching them to do the things that God had sent him to do. And we learn by illustration. I don't know about you, but, but I learn by actually doing things. You can give me a, all kind of instruction, instructions verbally, and they do this in my head. And I've already told you all this, so, I mean, I just get all bumbled up. But if you'll write it down or you'll explain it and then let me do it, I've got it. I can do it. We all need a living illustration. And so what God determined is is that he would make a lot of living illustrations. Just like we are teaching our children how to be adults who can get along in the world, Jesus is at the same time teaching us how to be viable Christians in this world. Now, the problem with our kids is that we're their parents. Amen? We're not perfect, are we? Any of you a perfect parent? If you are, you found the book. You found the instruction booklet. You need to share it with the rest of us. Because we didn't get the memo. We, we missed it. None of us are perfect parents. We, we, they pick up all kinds of garbage from watching us. If you don't think so, you just hide out a little bit when your little friends come over. Or you get with a group of people and bring your child in, and they'll say something, usually, and you'll think, where in the world they see that? Guess what? They saw it right there. They're a mirror image. 
And so we don't, we don't always do the best job. Now, the problem in the church is, is that we tend to watch and imitate each other. Okay? I know some of you are saying, well, Paul said to imitate me. Okay, well, fantastic. I'm not the Apostle Paul, and you're not either. But he, Paul did say that, and we'll look at that in a minute. But what happens is we tend to watch each other or somebody we think who's got it together. And what happens is we don't always line up with what we should line up with. We don't always live out what we claim to believe. Now, that's all of us, okay? We're all in that boat. That boat is loaded, and it's about to go under. But the problem is, is it's kind of like this. I'll give you an illustration. I am learning some things uh, with office and clerical work that I did not know, okay? I'm learning some things. One of those is, I did not know this, but if you take a sheet of paper with something on it, and you take it over to Kinko's, and you make a copy of it. If you use that original sheet of paper, that copy will be a carbon copy. It'll look just like it. And that's what you want. But the problem is, if you take that copy that you made and use it for the carbon next time, it gets a little duller. If you keep using the copies that you make, pretty soon, I'm assuming, if you copy them long enough, you'll have nothing but a blank sheet of paper. Does that make sense? That's what we've done in the church. Well, this is how brother so-and-so did it. Well, this is how we're going to do it. And this is how they did it. And this is how mama did it. And granddaddy did it. And great-granddaddy and great-grandma. And the problem is, every time the copy's made, we lose a little bit. Is that making sense? Okay. Now, I'm not saying you don't imitate godly people. I think you do. But the problem is, is that if we don't learn to imitate Jesus, if we don't go back to the original, okay, every once in a while, and check our copies. See, I made those copies, and I took another one, and I started making copies, and all of a sudden, they, they're looking pretty dull. And I realized, what's the deal? There's nothing wrong with the machine. I called the lady over, and she said, oh, there's nothing wrong with the machine. Everything's set right. My copies are getting lighter and lighter. See, if we don't go back, if we don't use the original, we don't check ourselves with the original from time to time. We'll, we'll move away from the original, and we won't even know it. It'll be gradual over time. And that's, what, that's what's happened in the body of Christ today. It's not that necessarily there are some people that are just nutcases, and, and they believe nutty stuff, okay? Let's just get that out there. But the vast majority of believers love Jesus, and they love people. And they're, they're doing what they know to do. The problem is is that what they know to do is what they learn from somebody, not necessarily Jesus. And so this morning, I want to challenge you, okay? God's challenged me with this week with this, and the last couple of weeks as I've thought on this. But I want to challenge you to go back and see what the original did. See what the original said. Look at the attitudes and the actions of the original. And what will happen is God will point out some things in our lives. Now, I'm going to share with you a couple of three things this morning. They're not rocket science, but I love the Apostle Paul. And, and Paul, he, he, he's writing a letter and to, to the Corinthian church. And how many of you realize that the Corinthian church was messed up? 
I mean, they were messed up. They were, they were just like us. Just like every other church. They were messed up. I mean, they, they, they had all kinds of issues going on. They, had, they, had, they didn't know how to do the Lord's Supper properly. I mean, they didn't know how to... to uh, they were suing one another. They, there, was, there was a particular member in their church that was living in a, in a, in a, uh, 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 a bad situation. I'll just leave it at that, okay? It was terrible. Everybody knew about it, and on and on and on. It was just a, it was just a messed up church. And Paul says, hey, in 1 Corinthians 11 1, he says, be imitators of me. Now, he doesn't stop there, okay? If, if, if he had just said, be imitators of me, you know, I, I would look at that and I'd go, hmm. Because let, let's just face it, the Apostle Paul didn't get it right every time. Now, what he wrote in Scripture is right. But in his life, he messed up. You, you do realize that, don't you? He, was, he didn't float above the ground, even though he wrote most of the New Testament. He had issues. But he says, be imitators of me just as I am of Jesus Christ. Now, the picture there is Jesus Christ is the original copy. And as he makes that copy onto that blank sheet, which is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is becoming a carbon copy. Okay? Now, what usually happens in the body of Christ is that it's not so much the disciple, the one that's learned a truth from Jesus personally. It's not usually that person that messes folks up, okay? It's usually the disciples' disciples. Does that make sense? If you study uh, the history of the church, John Calvin, I mean, John Calvin got a lot of stuff right, but today people kind of look at John Calvin and they think, well, you know, he believed in this and this, and I don't believe in that. Well, John Calvin didn't believe in that either. His disciples took what he taught, and their disciples and their disciples, and all of a sudden you got some off-base stuff. Martin Luther, the same way. Martin Luther said some things near the end of his, his, his ministry that were taken out of context. In fact, they were taken out of context by the Nazis, taken out of context by Hitler, and used as justification to exterminate the Jews. Martin Luther never meant that. You see, that's what can happen. The disciples take it from the original, or one from the original, and mess it up. And that's what we tend to do. Now, Paul says, Be imitators of me, just as I am of Christ. The Apostle Paul was human. He made mistakes. You, you, can, you can see an arrogance in him as you read the New Testament. He, he has to struggle with that because hey, he was the creme de la creme of the religious elite in his day. He, he, was, he was Mr. Somebody. And, and he struggles from time to time. You can see that. He calls himself later in his life, I love this, he calls himself the chief of sinners. He didn't call himself that at the beginning of his ministry. It's when he's older and can look back. But he was, he was just like us, okay? But he was not imitating somebody else. He was imitating Jesus. You say, well, well, yeah, but he got to walk and talk with Jesus. No, he didn't get to walk with Jesus. He didn't meet Jesus until after the Lord Jesus was resurrected in heaven for a while. He met him, but it wasn't like Peter and James and John who walked with him. You see, Jesus spoke to him out of the Word of God. Occasionally, Jesus, the Scripture says that he appeared to Paul and, and he spoke to him. 
But literally, Paul learned Christ from the teachings of the apostles and from his scriptures. That's how he learned him. And, and so he was seeking to imitate the Lord. What he read in Scripture, what the Lord had given him, what the apostles had taught him, he tried his best to put into practice, to live it out. And that's why he could say here in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me. Folks, it's time we stopped imitating somebody else's imitation of somebody else's imitation of somebody else's imitation of Jesus. It's time we got this word out and climbed in it and said, you know what, Jesus did this. Well, when I'm faced with this today, and I will be, this is what I'm going to attempt to do through the power of the Holy Spirit and with God's help. Now, I'm a little, we're going to look at some things here just very quickly. We're going to move through this quickly. This isn't rocket science. But for this to be a reality, that is for us to really imitate Jesus Christ, there's some things that we have to do. They're very simple. They're not profound. Number one, we have to know Jesus Christ. Okay? You can't imitate someone you don't know. And I don't mean know about. You see, we, we've, we've come to this belief somewhat that if I know a lot of things about Jesus, I know Jesus. Well, that's not a relationship. I know facts about a lot of people, but I don't have a relationship with them. If I showed on their, up on their front lawn and wanted to talk to them, they would call the police and have me carted off. Okay, So just because I know things about Jesus doesn't mean I know Jesus. What I'm talking about, the knowledge I'm talking about, is an experiential relationship with Jesus. That means that there's a place in my life that I can nail down. You may not know the date, you may not know the exact time, but you know that you know that you know that you've met Jesus Christ. That you know that. And you know that you've experienced His forgiveness. You know that you've been born from above. You know that. Now, you may be here today and, and there may be some doubt. And you may be struggling with that. That's okay. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. You may be here today and you know that you don't know. And you've got questions. You, okay, that's okay. Because God will answer those questions as long as you ask those questions. You see, God loves you, and He's drawing you to Himself. But the reality, before we can imitate somebody, we have to know them. I've heard my daughter say some things that came out of her mouth. Now, there was nothing wrong with them, but I thought, my gosh, that sounds just like me. Where'd she hear that at? She knows me. She knows me. I've heard some things my granddaughter's uh, done. Now, I'm thinking, oh, no. Oh, I can't believe that. Mm, she knows me. And folks, when we know Jesus, it's possible to imitate Jesus. But if we don't know Him, we need to meet Him. I love what First, I mean, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen says. It says, "Therefore, if any man or any person is in Christ." He is a new creature. He's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. In God's mind. Folks, listen to me. The past 
is past if you're a believer. All those mistakes, all those sins, all those failures, they're in the past according to this verse. The old stuff's gone. Now, you may still be reaping the benefits of some of that old stuff, but in God's mind, it's dealt with if you know Him. It's dealt with. A new person has now stepped onto a new scene. And that person is a new creation. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't mean that, that God's doing a uh, remodeling job on you. Okay? I want you to listen to me. God's not, God's not into remodeling. God's into utter demolition and destruction and recreation. God speaks and something new is there. And when, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we surrender and the grace of God pours into our lives, folks, that old person's gone. I mean, that's what the text says. That's what the Word, that's what Paul was saying. That old person's gone. There's a new person here. And that new person is capable, listen to me, he's capable, she's capable of imitating Jesus. Before that takes place, there's no capability. There's no ability. But after that new creation, you know why? Because Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. Okay, when we come to Christ, spiritually speaking, we are, we are being made born again. We are being created again. And we follow him. And one of these days, everything's going to get newly created, even these old worn out bodies. And we will be the other fruit of the resurrection. But the reality is, folks, that, that we, if we're born from above, we're born again, we're a child of God, then, then in the natural, children look like their parents. Amen? I didn't hear much from y'all on that one. I've seen your children, some of them. They favor you. They look like you. They have tendencies like you. And there's nothing, that's the way things, that's the way it's supposed to be. Okay, in the supernatural realm, it's the same. If I'm a child of the king, there ought to be some characteristics in my life that look like him. He, he's already made all of us in his image and his likeness. But folks, when we come to Christ, when we know Christ, we begin to look like Christ. My point is, is you've got to know Him. You can't just know about Him. And here's the thing. You know this morning whether or not you know Him. You know what? I can't convince you you do. And I shouldn't be able to convince you that you don't. And I'm not going to try. You know whether you know Him or not. Now, so the first thing is you've got to know Jesus. You've got to know Him. The second one, which will help you to be certain that you're a sure imitation, a copy of the original, is you, is you have to listen and obey what Jesus says. See, this is not rocket science. This is just, this is just 101 Christianity. You have to learn to listen and obey what Jesus said. And I put that in the present tense because I believe Jesus is still speaking. Okay? I, I still think He speaks to His children. Now, 
More often than not, he speaks right out of his word. Okay? I believe that. But he also speaks in other ways. He speaks through songs sometimes. I don't know about you. You may have, you may have a special way God speaks to you, but very often God speaks to me out of music and out of songs. And this morning, man, there was one of those songs, the next to the last song, Jim. When I was at Crossgates, they sang that song. I can see that. When y'all started singing that this morning, I could see the, the, the lady that sang that, and I, I was transported into places where, where God just worked in my life. wasn't so much Crossgates as much as it was the music and the song. See, God speaks to me through music. Now, sometimes God speaks off of, off of tags. You ever, you ever seen a tag, and it was a passage of Scripture, and you looked it up, and it was, boom, God's Word for you today? Sometimes He speaks off billboards. He can use anything He wants. But primarily, right here is what He uses. This is what He uses. Now, if you've never heard Him speak, and you're His child, you're missing something. You're missing something. Let me ask you this question. Are you listening? See, when I was a kid, I didn't listen very well. And I didn't get everything my daddy said. And payday came. And he wasn't paying out of his back pocket. He was investing in my back pocket, if you know what I mean. Okay? I wasn't listening. I didn't hear everything. Are you listening? Do you know what his voice sounds like? You see, there's three voices you'll hear. You'll hear your own voice. You'll hear the enemy's voice. And you'll hear God's voice, the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you something? God's voice sounds like no other voice. And when you hear it, you hear it. You know it. You know it. The enemy, he always brings guilt and shame. He woke me up this morning, about 3.30. He said, Nelson, listen... Listen outside. That's the way it sounded, okay? Now, I could hear the gutter just a little bit, and I'm thinking, my gosh, it's coming at monsoon out there. Oh, listen, Nelson, listen. This is your God in action. You prayed yesterday that it wouldn't rain so you could get that stuff in. Listen to your God. I'll lie there an hour at 3.30, 4.30. Yeah, hour and a half, 5 o'clock. I decided the alarm goes off, and I realized, you know what was making the noise? The ceiling fan. I'm sure I'm not kidding you. I'm listening to the ceiling, and I don't hear very well. Okay, I rarely, I can't hear that. But he made sure I could hear that. And that ceiling, now it was sprinkling a little bit, but it wasn't raining. I got up, I loaded, I put the trailer on the truck, I, I, I got it out, everything brought it here. We unloaded it. It came a shower. And by the way, it's not raining right now. But the enemy wanted me to hear his voice. Okay, so you've got to be careful about that. And you've got to be careful about your own voice. Because sometimes you can mistake your voice for God's voice. Do you know what his voice sounds like? Have you ever heard him speak for yourself? You know, too often we depend on somebody else to tell us what Jesus said. Okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with listening to godly men and women teach. Nothing. But at some point, we have to learn to listen. 
for ourselves. All of us learn to eat. I can look out here, and, and you all are all healthy. So it's obvious that you eat, okay? There came a point where mom and daddy quit putting it in our mouth with a fork, okay? There's got to come a point in our Christian life where we take up the fork and the knife ourselves and dig into the meat and the potatoes, okay? There's nothing wrong with listening to godly people, but here's the deal. If all you do is watch a little Christian TV, nothing wrong with it, and come to a church like this, nothing wrong with that, and that's all you get, you'll starve to death. You'll never know what God's doing. You'll only hear the garbled voice of God. See, you're hearing from me what I heard from God. Okay? You're not hearing Him necessarily for yourself. And you've got to learn to listen for yourself. Once you hear God speak, though, well, let me say this. If you'll pick up this book, okay, Get you a Bible that you understand. If that's the King James, may your tribe increase. God bless you. But if it's not the King James, get you another one, okay? I have nothing to God. Most of the verses I memorized are King James, okay? But get you a translation that you can understand. Sit down with it and say, God, I want to hear you talk to me. I, I, want, to, I want you to speak to me. I'll guarantee you, if you'll do that, God will begin to speak to you. Now, here's the deal. When He begins to speak, you have to obey. Okay? It's not enough just to listen. It's listen and obey. Once you hear God speak, you've got to obey. When you obey, literally, you are imitating Jesus Christ. Jesus would listen and He would watch. And when he saw the Father working in a situation or he heard the Father speak to him, he acted. Every time he healed somebody, it's because the Father was working right there. Every time he spoke a word of encouragement to somebody, he'd heard the Father say, step over there and talk to him. How did he see Zacchaeus up in the tree? God said, hey, check the little man up in the tree. He needs help. So he looks up, Zacchaeus, come on down. I want to go to eat lunch at your house today. On and on and on, folks. What Jesus, what the Father was doing, what the Father was saying, Jesus saw and He obeyed. That, that's, that's what Scripture teaches. Look at John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus is, is talking to the religious uh, folks of His day. He says, Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, unless it's something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Folks, if we would learn to listen to Jesus and do what Jesus tells us to do, we would see miraculous things. And folks, I'm not... I'm not just talking about people being healed. I'm talking about people coming to Christ. I'm talking about conditions in people's lives being changed. There are, within the body of Christ today, there, there are the answers for every problem we face. Do you realize that? In this body right here, there are answers that could change 
the world. There, there are people whom God has, has been sharing things with that literally you could change people's lives. But we have to listen to God when he says act. You say, well, I thought Jesus just healed willy-nilly and he just kind of sprinkled fairy dust and walked by people and they got it. No. There's a man in the book of Acts that's, that's is sitting at the beautiful gate that John and James heal. Jesus walked by that man. He'd been there 40 or so years every day. Jesus walked by him every time he went into the temple, but he didn't heal him. There were more than one sick person at the pool of Bethesda. In fact, it was there were like flies there. He healed one person. There were all kinds of people touching him and, and jostling him in the crowd, but there was one woman who touched him and her issue of blood was... Why? Because God was working in that situation. And Jesus joined him. Folks, God is working in situations in all of our lives, and he's waiting on us to listen and to tune in where he's at and to go there. That's one of the things that the church has done backwards. We come up with plans and programs, and then we pray and ask God to bless it. Instead of looking at the situation finding out what the situation is, what the circumstance is, what's God doing, and joining Him. There's a big difference. But folks, if we'll learn to listen and then obey, we'll imitate Jesus. Jesus put it this way. Obedience is the natural result of listening. And Jesus listened and He obeyed. And Jesus put it this way. If you love me, in John chapter 14, verse 15, you will do what I say. You will keep my commandments. You see, love is fleshed out by obedience. Obedience to what you hear Jesus telling you from His Word is the simplest way to imitate Jesus. It's, it's the simplest way. If you're willing to obey freely, out of love, you know what? You'll be a clear imitation of Jesus. In fact, you'll start to look like Jesus. You'll start to look like Him. And people will flock to you because you look like Jesus, because you smell like Jesus, because you taste like Jesus. You won't be able to beat them off with a stick. They'll come out of the woodworks because, you know why? The people of this world are looking for Jesus. They're not looking necessarily for the church because we're not imitating Jesus very often. We're mean and ugly and judgmental and condescending, and on and on and on I could go. I'm not here to beat and hammer because I love the church and I'm a part of the church. But folks, we're not imitating Jesus very well, and they don't like our imitation. They see through it. But they're looking for Jesus. What we've given them is a cheap imitation, a knockoff. You can go to some of the cities in the world, and whether you know this or not, you can buy handbags with Gucci stamped on it for $5. You can get Oakley sunglasses in New York City for $5 a pair by the handfuls, as many as you want. They look like Oakley sunglasses, and they look like Gucci bags, but they're not. They're cheap knockoffs because you can't buy a pair of Oakley sunglasses for $5. It ain't possible. You can't get a Gucci bag for $5. It's not possible. And folks, we have to do a better job of imitating Jesus 
or heck, nobody's going to want to be with us. Why would anybody want to be in a body of people that's judgmental and condemning and won't speak, won't smile, won't shake hands, won't help them when there's an issue, won't talk to them? Why would anybody want to do that? That's just like what they come from. Okay? Now, I want, I want to commend you guys. Okay? I want you to hear me. I've heard some folks say that this is the friendliest church they've been to in a long time. So I want to encourage you. You know what? A smile and a handshake does far more than you can imagine. It's important. If you see somebody sitting by yourself on Sunday morning, just go up to them and shake hands with them and tell them your name and tell them you're glad to see them. Folks, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be accepted. Now, we need to know Jesus. We need to listen to Jesus and obey Jesus. But the third way, and this is the last one, to improve our imitation of Jesus is to allow Him to produce His fruit within us. By fruit, I mean literally the personality of Jesus. You see, that's what He wants to do. He wants to give us His personality. He showed us what the personality of God looked like. See, the people that, that, that Jesus came to had boiled God down to an angry person with a bunch of rules and regulations. If you had talked to the average person in Jesus' day, that would have been their picture of God. And that's because the Pharisees, and, and, and these were good men, okay? These were men who loved the Word of God and, and, and wanted to make sure that they obeyed the Word of God. And, and they went out of their way to, to make sure that they didn't. But the problem is, is they began to add in things, and all of a sudden, a loving God became a very dictatorial, restrictive you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't, 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 can't. Ultimately, you can't do anything. Okay? They weren't mean and ugly men. They, they honestly thought they were doing what God wanted them to do. And folks, if we're not careful, that's who we become. We become 21st century Pharisees. And so Jesus has given us His personality so it can develop in us. Now, Little kids kind of pick up nuances with their parents. Amen? You ever seen that in a child? Sometimes uh, you'll hear, uh, you'll see your character being lived out. You ever seen a kid go ballistic? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on. You know where they saw that sometimes? Now, sometimes it's just temper tantrum. But sometimes that's how they've seen their mother or their father express anger. They just blow up. Well, for a little kid, he blows up and rolls around the floor and acts like a, you know, I'm not, I don't have a name for it, but it ain't good, okay? What happens is they're producing the fruit that's been planted in them. Now, sometimes it's satisfying. I mean, there, I've, I've listened to things that my daughter and granddaughter said, and I thought, okay, they're getting it. I've taught them something. But sometimes it's embarrassing. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We've all got a story. Probably some of us have got more than one. I've got a few. But folks, they're just producing the fruit that's been planted in them. Now, nothing is more powerful than the character of Jesus Christ. It's impossible to duplicate it on our own. How many of you realize that? You can't be like Jesus 
on your own. How many of you have tried? I have. As hard as I can. Willpower just will not do it. Jesus knew that. He knew that. And so he knew that he had to give us an empowerment, an ability. And so instead of giving us a book, necessarily he did give us a book, but instead of giving us a rule book, he gave us the Holy Spirit to interpret. And folks, it's through the Holy Spirit that you and I can produce the fruit of Christ in our life. Now, let me paint a picture of what our flesh is capable of producing. Okay, and I want you to listen to it. Don't, don't turn me off. This is what the sinners do. Don't do that, okay? I want you to listen to some of these. Not all of these are going to apply to us, but I'll guarantee you there are some in here that, that you know, fit us like a glove. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, just the first part of 21, it says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. So what Paul is saying is these are the things that mark someone who's living in the flesh. Now, these are the very traits that many believers produce. And as we produce those, we kind of pawn them off. And this is how Jesus acts. So do you understand why the world looks at us and they go, mm, don't want any of that, thank you. They, they do that without having to come to church. They, they can lay in at, uh, at Bed Springs Baptist and, 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 and sleep all day and not come to church. I know some of you are laughing. Y'all ought to have been here earlier. and I'm not going to say where this came from or, or who it was directed at. But... but you know, you can stay at home and sleep all day and produce that. I mentioned it while I go. What does Christian mean? Christ by little Christ. Folks, let me ask you a question. Do any of those things, let me read them again. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Wow, those are killer ones, Nelson. Okay, I agree. Those are, those are the big ones. But they're not really the big ones. They're just some of the ones he mentions. Listen to these. Impurity, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. That, that kind of gets down where we all live, doesn't it? That's okay. You don't have to say amen. Y'all all know what I'm talking about. Those don't look like Jesus. But when we allow the Spirit of God to produce the character of God in our lives, the fruit of our character becomes evident, and it looks a lot different. It looks a lot different. The more fruit that's produced in, in, in our lives by the Spirit, the more you, you and I look like Jesus. The more we look like Jesus. I want you to listen to the picture of that fruit, and you tell me if this is not what Jesus looks like. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and verse 23. But the fruit of love of, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've drawn you to myself. There's no greater love than this, than a friend give his life for his friends. Folks, the world needs to see love. Not the gobbledygook that you see on TV, see in the movies, get off a selfie. Listen, you can't have a relationship, a real relationship, off a computer and a telephone. Okay, I, I don't care if that offends you. I'm just telling you. you. You can't. There's got to be more. Real love has to be demonstrated. And trust me, you can't demonstrate it on a telephone or a computer screen. You're not going to see it on TV. It's, it's, it's got to be person to person. That's what God did. Love, joy. The joy of the Lord's my strength. These things I've spoken to you, Jesus said, that, that you may have my joy and have my peace. Folks, Jesus was not some somber, hard-nosed guardian of do's and don'ts. He, he didn't come with, with the book and say, you shall not do this, you shall not do this, you shall not do this. Folks, he met people where they were, and he was happy. Okay, he was joyous. He, he, he had fun with his disciples. And he had fun sometimes at the expense of the snobby upper crust. I'm just going to stop there. Religious world that he, he it was a part of. He had fun with them. He had fun. He had joy. There was, there was something inside of him that made him get up and go every day. It was the joy of the Lord. And folks, the world needs it. Wouldn't that be nice to see? Love, joy, peace. Folks, Jesus never allowed stress to overwhelm him. When he talks about peace there, he's not talking about the absence of conflict. Folks, when he stepped out of that water after the baptism of John, when John baptized him, his life became one conflict after another. Okay? It was never just peaceful. There was always stress trying to get hold of him and get his attention. But he didn't allow that to take place. Why? Because, because wherever he went, his peace rested. And do you realize this? That wherever you go, you take the peace of Christ with you. When you go into somebody's house, your peace can rest there. When you go to work, your peace can rest there. And the peace of Jesus Christ overwhelms every other conflict that's going on because shalom falls peace love joy peace patient jesus was patient how many of you realize that over and over he deals with the pharisees he deals with herod he deals with pilate and he deals with judas for three and a half years he was patient with judas even though he knew that judas was going to betray him he was patient the Lord is patient toward us, not wishing that any of us would perish, but that all of us would come to repentance. Man, aren't you glad? I don't know about you, but I'm glad God is patient. And all of us need to learn a little patience. The reason is you don't know what that person that you've just come in contact with. You don't know what their day's like. You don't know what the little girl that will wait on you this afternoon at the restaurant, you don't know what's happening in her life. You don't know what the person, the cashier at Walmart, what's going on in their life. Patience, patience. Kindness. 
God showed his surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for us appeared, he saved us. Jesus was a kind man. If you don't think he was, that night in the garden, when Peter whipped out the sword and cut Malchus's ear off, what did Jesus do? What was fixing to happen to Jesus? He was about to die. And he goes, he hits pause. He reaches down. He picks up the man's ear. He puts it back on his head. This was one of the same men that had come to arrest him. He was kind. He was kind. When he stepped out on that, of that boat on, on the shore at, the, at, at Gadarene, and, and that wild man came running down there, what did Jesus do? He was gentle, and he was kind. And Legion was delivered. He was set free. Kindness. Because I'm going to tell you something. Kindness has the potential to open any man or woman's heart. I don't care how cold or hard they are. If you will just be kind, a soft word turns away wrath. Kindness. Kindness. Goodness. There, there was a, a generosity. That's what the word literally means. There was a generosity within the heart of Jesus that sought the best out of whomever he met whether it was a person in need or it was a Pharisee who didn't think he needed anything. Jesus wanted the best for that person. He wanted it so that they could hear the gospel of the kingdom and so they could respond. He wept when he went to the places where death had touched. If you don't think so, read the story of Lazarus. The Bible says, literally, it made him angry. And he wept. He, 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 the, the picture there is of a war horse snorting. That's, that's the picture. It affected him. He, he wept. Why? Because he was kind. Faithfulness. Jesus is faithful. He is full of faith. And folks, he's full of faith even when we are faithless. We need some faithful people. People who will agree and do, say they'll do something, and then do what they said they will do. That's what Jesus did. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he did. He was faithful in it. What about gentleness? The word there is the same word that means meek. Now, we think meek means weak, but that's not what meek means. That's not what gentleness is. Gentleness literally, is power under control. It's the picture of a horse with a bridle in its mouth, with a bit. Now, the man who gets on the horse's back, he's not as strong as that horse. Trust me, I've been on a horse's back, and I know what it's like to get off really quick. But when he puts that bit in that horse's mouth, he controls the power of that horse. That's all. Jesus was a man who was under control control. Folks, we need some people who are under control. That God can pull to the right, pull to the left, and they will do what God's in gentleness. That's the kind of strength I want. And then the last one, self-control. There's never a moment in the scriptures where Jesus was out of control. You say, well, he's kind of out of control at the temple. No, he was not out of control. He knew exactly what he was doing. There was a purpose. Jesus wasn't out of control, folks, but he had emotions. He was a real man, okay? 
He had emotions. But he was in control of them. His feelings didn't control him. He expressed them, but they didn't control him. They didn't take charge of him. They didn't make him do crazy things. He was self-controlled. Folks, that one attribute would literally change our world. Self-control. So to really impact our community, folks, we have to present a different kind of picture that's been painted of Jesus. We have to present a true one. To get a true one, we got to meet Jesus. We've got to go back to the original Himself. It's not that we don't listen to teachers. It's not that we don't listen to preachers. It's not that we don't read books. All that's important. You're not hearing me say that. But folks, if I want to act like Jesus, I need to know who Jesus is. I need to learn to listen to Jesus and obey Jesus. And I need to have the character of Jesus being produced by the Holy Spirit in my life. I need to surrender to Jesus. Folks, ultimately, when we imitate Jesus, we imitate true love, real love. And folks, that's what touches people's hearts. That's what touches people's hearts. Are you imitating Jesus today? You know, I had to I had to question myself, and there's some areas, a little bit. Some other areas need a lot of work. God needs to produce a lot more fruit there. Folks, this is not about whether we're perfect or not. This is about a desire of our heart. The desire of my heart is to imitate Jesus. You know what? I'll do the things that need to be done. I'll get to know Him. I'll get to know Him. I'll learn to listen to Him. I'll get to that place where I know His voice. When He says stop, I'll stop. When He says jump, I'll jump. When He says do this, I won't even ask any questions. I'll just do this. So you've got to learn to listen and obey. And I will allow Him to produce that fruit in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Folks, the world's dying to see what Jesus looks like. And listen to me. Please hear my heart here. The next time they see him, it will be too late. So he's left us. He's left us to mimic him, to imitate him, to be carbon copies of him so that they can see him and come to know him. Where's body? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning that God, for whatever reason.